Good afternoon. I'm Leonard Chamberlain with Archer here with another episode of Direct Connect. Today we're going to talk about the topic, what skills are necessary to be an effective compliance leader? Um, joined by Mark Bromstadt, Nick Weber. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Leonard. How are you? I'm well, other than some Excellent. technical difficulties and some uh, early summer heat to deal with. Doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. So what skills for, for an effective compliance manager, huh? Seems like a big topic, actually. Number one, let's let's define what what's a compliance leader. Are we talking about uh, someone who manages a compliance team? We're we talking about uh, subject matter expert. Are we talking about day-to-day -day activities versus uh, being in the middle of an audit? There's a lot of scenarios to look at there. Maybe different skill sets for different situations. Yeah, and probably also looking at the size and complexity of the organizations as well. I know when I work with some of our clients that are, you know, on the smaller side of the GO, GOPs, you know, the, the type of person that is involved there is different than maybe some of the larger investor-owned, um, you know, very, very uh, diverse organizations out there. You're just you have a different skill set. You have a different level of experience as well uh, for, for a variety of reasons. So, I mean, I think that's another area we, we could probably cover as well. Yeah, I think kind of that list there is kind of a yes and, I think, for compliance leaders. Uh, it's not necessarily position-based. It's um, what do you do more than more than anything. But I think there are some, some cross-cutting pieces you've got to have for for all of those. Um, the first one that comes to mind is is patience. And lots of it. Um, and the second is attention to detail. Doesn't matter if you're um, uh, entry level, your first SME, where you're the third third deep backing up somebody else, or you're the SIP senior manager, or anybody in between. You got to take the time to understand all the things, and, and again, a ton of patience, um, even to read through the the standards. Um, but then that attention to detail, that's where. I know, Leonard, you've probably seen it as well on, on actual audits and mock audits and prep. It's always the little things that, that end up tripping somebody up to turn into the big things. I concur. And that's actually the, the first thing that uh, came to mind when I started thinking about this topic was uh, mm -hmm. being, being detail-oriented. Um, you know, there's such a, a tendency maybe to fall back on your, your expertise and generalize responses, uh, which, again, I think is an important skill to have. But when you're thinking about um, being an effective compliance leader, knowing how to obviously keep your expertise, your experiences in mind, but also looking at specifically what question is being asked either by an auditor or you know what is the requirement and looking at those details looking at the definition uh, sometimes you may be dealing with you know a, a regulator approved definition that might be different from what your previous experience has been so I, uh, details are certainly an important thing I was also thinking another uh, aspect of this is understanding uh, how the standards are written um, less, yeah. less 
about what are the specific requirements, but looking at how the, uh, the standards themselves may require a different perspective. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to, for instance, uh, only permit certain ports and services, but doing the manner that's compliant with the standards, uh, having that proper justification documentation, uh, having, um, being able to demonstrate that, that performance evidence that goes with it, it's more than, than maybe just, again, what your previous experience uh, yields, right? That's a good point, Leonard. I also looked at it from the standpoint of when you think about some of the folks, especially um, this is more for the larger organizations, um, you've got you've got to have an individual who can take everything that we've talked about thus far and be able to apply it and pull subject matter experts and their team members along and make sure they can do all of that as well. Because as a leader, um, as, a, as a subject matter expert, as someone who's been experienced in compliance for a long time, uh, you guys know that uh, all of the areas and things to look at and uncover um, but as you bring new subject matter experts in to your organization, as they come up in the organization and get promoted, allowing them to understand the need to be detail-oriented and what does that mean to be detail-oriented in the right way and the right through the right lens. Um, you know, I think those are some of the successful leaders um, that uh, I've seen uh, out there. Now, also, you know, I, I definitely want to draw the distinction between leader and manager. There's pe there are people who manage teams, manage compliance teams, and they do a great job. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're the leader in that space in their organizations. You see folks who are the subject matter experts, the people that uh, um, really thrive in, in, in their role and their knowledge, and they're, they're the informal slash formal leader in their spaces as well. And I think you just nailed it there, Mark, with kind of the what you really need is to understand who your 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 lineup is and put them in the right spots and, and then let them do their thing. Um, I know one of the things I've seen a lot of, and I don't want to go too far into the rabbit hole of what you shouldn't be, but where, where I've seen a lot of mistakes or errors is where somebody thinks they have to know every answer um, to be that leader. Um, and that always gets people in trouble when you start speaking on things that you're not the leader on, or you're not the expert, the subject matter expert. And I, I know a lot of compliance managers who've given that advice and then forgot to heed their own advice um, when they were sitting in front of the, the auditors or other regulators. Um, so yeah, that's a big piece is, is knowing your people's strengths and weaknesses and putting them in a, a position to succeed and then letting them. That's That can be one of the hardest parts of leadership is, is letting people do their thing. Yep. Oftentimes, Especially when you've helped train them. Yep, sorry, Nick. Uh, oftentimes you'll see yeah. a manager's become leaders once they start managing a team of people that they're, that they're not an expert in that technology, that space, that discipline. Um, so that's really at the point where they start to find their leadership capabilities when they're outside their subject matter expertise. So Leonard, I'll, I'll you know, maybe a question for you. Um, you've got a different experiences from Nick. Um, you know, some things I was wondering about from, from your, from your seats, from through your lens, um, you know, you've got to experience both as a consultant and as, and as a, a former regulator, folks that uh, have been, you know, extremely successful. Where have you seen them not be successful? I know, Nick, you kind of teed it up a little bit with, you know, not be negative, but I think, you know, where you, 
how you see people not be successful can also help folks learn as well. So where have you seen that, Leonard? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, you know, and I think it comes back to, you know, what you're always saying as far as uh, having the right people in the positions. Um, mm -hmm. That goes at the, at the leader level, too. So it's not just the people that work for you, but it's um, being involved yourself. So from the federal perspective, former regulator, um, you know, SIP requires a position called a SIP senior manager that mm -hmm. uh, overall authority and responsibility for leading compliance for the organization. And I always found it very interesting when the SIP senior manager was too busy to show up for the audit, right? So, um, you know, lack of involvement at arguably, you know, the Super Bowl of your, your season from a compliance perspective, um, that's always very telling. Um, SIP senior manager is just, you know, a SIP specific term, but I think that could be uh, extrapolated to, to other uh, standards that require similar positions to, to be identified. But um, sure. lack of involvement, I think, is big. Um, not having the right person in the position for instance, that has that authority, that responsibility for leading compliance. Uh, if you're going to be an effective compliance leader, then you have to, you know, be able to wield, you know, both the tools of the trade, both the carrot and the stick, right? Um, to to encourage that adoption of compliance because it doesn't uh, just happen organically. It has to have some um, leader, you know, for uh, for companies to adopt it. Very good. Now, Nick, you know, one question I, I had kind of saved for you for this conversation as well was around your experience uh, as you as you served. Um, talk about detail oriented. You know, when I think of detail, being detail oriented, you know, I think of the U.S. military being very detail oriented, um, and obviously you were in uh, very technical roles uh, there as well. So, how do you think that you know your your experience outside of a compliance world uh, helped prepare you as well for those that are thinking of getting into it. Honestly, the biggest thing I think I would take from that is that I'm not naturally a detail oriented person. Mm -hmm. So I try to find the people who are and rely on them very heavily. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a, a big picture. Hey, let's go this way. Was our, our big strategic. Um, but then understanding who my detail people are and, yeah. and letting them know, like, call me out, like hold me accountable. If I miss, if I get too glossy on things, um, and understanding that there is a, a need for both of those. Um, we talked about detail-oriented, but um, actually just sitting through some some interactions earlier this morning, how do you take the detail that would be a 300-page book and put it down into a one-page response? Um, how do you distill that down to something that the the person who is not in that system all day, every day can understand and that also won't take them three weeks to read? Um, Kind of a diverse skill set, but absolutely. And and now you know all all three of us are seeing this play out as we're starting to work with more and more uh, clients uh, in the oil and gas space. TSA um, recommendations. I can't. I don't think we can say regulations yet. Uh, but uh, you know the the requirements from the TSA to the oil and gas space. Um, we're starting to see folks that uh, you know in in a very in that are in very technical roles that are by nature also very detail-oriented um, and, you know, have run great security organizations, they're, some of them for the first time are really getting thrown into compliance-level conversations. 
So we're starting to see some of this play out real time on what does it take to be a great compliance leader uh, because folks that weren't previously are now having to become compliance leaders. So I, I you know, I've got some comments there, but you know, mm -hmm. or, or Nick, any comments there from what you're seeing? That's something to be really challenging. I know last winter I was asked to write a procedure for something that I do um, regularly. And for me to step back and take something that's just kind of a second nature, large task to me now and break it down to a new um, marginally informed, brand new person procedure. That took me probably close to a month to be able to unpack all those, those different functions and break it back down to that, that basic level to teach it. Yeah. And then to write it all down. That was the other part that to me was just like, man, how am I, how do I do almost like teaching one of my kids to tie their shoe? You just do it. Like just tie your shoe. <laughs> but then to break it down into each step of that, instead of that, that complex function, that we can all, be a real challenge. For we all know you got Velcro. You're okay. <laughs> Lock laces. There you go. It's interesting. In some of the conversations that I've been on early in the, with the TSA conversations, Asking folks where, you know, they, asking them about their programs, their security programs, their protocols, you know, obviously extremely knowledgeable. They've got things well in hand. But some of the very early questions I heard were, can you prove it? Can you show, can you show, can you show me how you can demonstrate it? Um, and that's where the wheels come off the bus real quick. So, again, that different lens that a compliance leader has to look through than just someone who's at a, who's you know managing security uh, for an organization is some of the things that I've seen. Back, Mark, to, to one of the points I was trying to make earlier that, you know, understanding the standards themselves and what they specifically require is only part of, of the bigger picture, right? It's, yeah. it's understanding how you need to demonstrate uh, compliance. It's not just, you know, hey, I did this, but proving it to your point. One of the questions that I always like to use um, whether I was an auditor or an SME or a manager or the brief time I was a compliance manager was that's great that you know how to do this. Can the new guy do it? And that is a real good way to test how well that training and those procedures have been written. Um, but be able to think outside the box of how do you get around some of those, particularly some of the more prickly SMEs and, and get them on board with things they really don't want to do. Um, but one of the air pieces to me that really strikes out in compliance that gets overlooked a lot, leadership is the ability to drive uh, continuous improvement and ongoing learning. Um, how do you take that lessons learned? How do you come out of out of an exercise or an audit and not only document how things went, but start to internalize those and use that to level up? Um, and as these doesn't matter which compliance framework it is, they're all maturing. And as they mature, the audits get harder. Um, I, I think there's a, a number of us that can look at, oh, we did great last audit don't really necessarily take a step back into what can you do better. Next one comes around and it's a bloodbath. Um, so you've got to be able to drive that even when it doesn't seem like it's obvious or the need for it's obvious. Yeah. I've, I've seen those conversations play out specifically in organizations where they rely heavily, whether they know it or not, they rely heavily on that tribal knowledge. They, they've got really good people. They've got really good, smart people that have been there a long time and all of us would trust them to do it and know it and, and handle it, whatever that is. But to that point, if they win the proverbial lottery and don't come in the next day, um, new person steps in, you know, train this new person. Um, that's where some organizations struggle more than others. Um, 
comparatively, you got you have some organizations, and it's kind of fun to see it uh, happen in front of you when when they do that, and they they get asked the question, and they immediately go, oh yeah, that's John's space. Let me pull in John or or you know that Betty's expertise there, and I know she wrote the procedure there. Let me pull her in, and that, that's when you start to see real quickly um, the organizations that, from a leader perspective, have have started to unlock it a little bit more. I'd say one of the other ones is situational awareness, um, and I, I'd say that very spe- with a very specific SIP standard in mind. Uh, a lot of people, whether it was COVID, the holidays, or a number of reasons. SIP 8 version 6 came into effect right after the first of the year in 21, I think. Um, so it kind of flew under the radar. And I think a lot of people missed there's a lot of little hooks in that. Um, and only the people who are really paying attention or really plugged in saw that, ooh, this touches a bunch of other things too. Let's start looking at this. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not always going to be the, the big SIP version 5 transition from V3 to V5 or the new TSA guidance is that work i'm not sure what we're calling tsa these days um it's, it's not always something big and flashy it can be something right. that seems fairly small and a, a small verbiage innocuous verbiage change that has massive implications you've really got to be able to understand that the the uh, landscape out there and how that can change with um, happy to glad in a language can in a, a standard language can have a major implication you know, we've, we've kind of got, we've kind of, maybe are up against time here a little bit. Maybe just do one last, uh, one last piece of recommendation from each of you. And I'll, I'll go last um, as to where you think uh, folks, and it, cause it could be electric utility, oil and gas, could be any, um, any framework that you're, you're managing against. What makes a good compliance uh, leader? What makes an effective compliance leader? Uh, Leonard, you first, then Nick, and then then I'll go. Sure. So, um, yeah, we talked about a number of concepts, um, but I, I still go back to um, my my opening comment, which was uh, about the detail oriented nature. Um, you know, of course, everything we talked about is important to be an effective compliance leader. But if I had to boil it down to what I think is the um, the most important uh, skill. It's, it's having, having the ability to focus on the details. Uh, there's a lot of noise that'll happen, not only from your, your auditor, but also from, from other uh, silos. Every organization has them, and standards typically are cross-silo, right? So being able to focus not only on what necessarily you're hearing from other silos, but specifically what's required and... Uh, you know, drive that to, to the finish line, I think is, is priority one. Since Leonard grabbed the low hanging fruit, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to quote Hamilton and never be satisfied. Um, that's probably the biggest one. It's good enough is, is not really something that works in compliance. Um, it was good enough for the last audit, but it's not good enough for next time. So again, embrace that continuous improvement and drive for change. And I'll, I'll go off on a slightly different direction and say um, a little bit of a playoff continuous improvement, but continuous education, finding ways to continue to learn yourself. And for those folks that uh, have a team that they're, that they're um, finding educational opportunities for their team, um, and especially for the formal leaders of the programs, making sure that they've got a good peer network with other compliance leaders that are similar in shape, size, look, feel to them. What are they doing differently? And at the end of the day, while each 
each organization, whether it's electric utility, oil and gas, or otherwise, they are unique. Um, you're not going through it alone either. Um, somebody's done it somewhere before you have, uh, or at least looked at it differently than you have. So don't don't feel like you got to be doing it alone and use the resources out there. And there's lots of groups out there, whether it's you know if you're public power, APPA, Energy SAC, uh, NRECA, lots of groups out there. Um, uh, but you know you, you can make that group real small and real uh, focused on your needs as well. So I think that's it for me. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, gentlemen. Uh, great conversation and looking yeah. forward to the next one. Look forward to the next one as well. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Archer News Network. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, head on over to our website at archerint.com. That's archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, at Archer underscore INTL on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and check back every other week for brand new episodes.